This is the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is the show where I bring to life the true failures, the true successes, and the true learnings from recruiters and recruitment business owners globally. This podcast is now sponsored and supported by Hunted. Hunted is one of the best places on the internet for recruitment content. Of course, one of the reasons why I decided to partner with them is crucially, we share a common goal to help recruiters get better at their jobs. Hunted write about everything you can need in your career, from productivity hacks to helping your time management to TED Talks and reading lists. They offer in-depth insights into worldwide destinations and, of course, there's everyone's favorite recruitment wolf, Mr. Ed Hunter, who's not quite as scary in real life, but that is a story for another time. If you haven't yet checked out Hunted's content, you will not be disappointed. This is the Recruitment Rollercoaster podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today I'm joined by the co-founders of This Is Prime. I've got Neil Clough to the right of me and Nicole Plinston uh, to the right of me as well. Just practice that about three times. So you got that. <laughs> so you got that right. Nailed it. Amazing. That's a good start. Uh, yeah, that is a good start. Um, so look, as, as I was just saying, guys, uh, where I always, always like to start with this podcast is... Uh, how the hell the both of you entered the uh, world of recruitment. <laughs> Let's start there and then we'll uh, uncover the, the This Is Prime story. Sure. Do you want to go first? No, you can. You sure? <laughs> yeah. Right, okay, excellent. Um, so um, my journey into recruitment is a little bit uh, different. Um, I did 10 months of it um, quite a number of years ago and mm. um, got to be honest, didn't really enjoy it. Yeah. I wouldn't call it failure. I would just call it a learning period nice. of my career. Uh, no, I did 10 months of it uh, and then got an opportunity to go into kind of like a management position, which is what I was wanting to do yeah. uh, in the leisure industry, which I'd always been in. Mm. Um, and then um, my kind of weird uh, journey took me on to the BBC Apprentice, yeah. um, which saw me fail again, actually. <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, didn't quite win. Um, but what it did uh, was make me learn about what I should do and what I wanted to do in terms of a business. Mm. Um, it was actually Lord Sugar that gave the advice was um, stick to what you know and not what you want to know. Nice. Um, and um, that was sales. That's all I'd ever done for 20 years. Yeah. And getting young people into sales that's why recruitment came about for me really okay cool yeah slightly cool. different um so for myself i started off my career i didn't go to uni um went straight into telesales and then went into recruitment like the usual people yeah. fell into it um did high street recruitment um started off with manpower kelly's then went into more niche recruitment um, how many jobs did you have? <laughs> a few. <laughs> <laughs> um, were they longer than 10 months? I were. Yeah. My CV was yeah, yeah, not yeah, jumpy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then eventually I moved more into training and then followed a sort of sales training career before mm. then setting up my own training company where most of my client base quickly became recruitment. Mm, okay, cool. 
So then just to um, frame it up for everyone, just to make it clear. So, Neil, for you, after The the Apprentice, how soon after that did you then start This Is Prime? Um, about a year. A year? Yeah, I set okay. up um, like a consultancy stroke training business for mm. about six months, to be honest, just to make some money mm. um, on the back of doing The Apprentice, which was great. Um, and then realized that it wasn't scalable. It was mm. more about um, people wanting to be trained off a guy who got fired from The Apprentice, weirdly. Um, so I wanted to create something where um, I could do something different, where people wanted to work and we can make a different impact and getting you know, people into sales, which is a career that people still look down upon. Mm, and I was really keen to change that stigma. And uh, I met Nicole because she was training at the time and similar vision for her. She wanted to do something different. She wanted to change the stigma that's attached to sales. How did you meet each other? Training, really? Well, yeah. in fact, no. The, well, go on, tell, tell do, you, the, do you train now? Tell the true story around it. Nicole was following me on Twitter. Oh, hey. um, sent me a tweet. Is that right? I wasn't actually. I was following Lord Sugar oh, on yeah, Twitter. No. <laughs> Pick yourself up. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's true. And then actually had a go at me because I'd written an e-book and told me how bad it was and as low as Oh, and it was about sales training. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, to be fair, that's that's how it came about. You asked for honest feedback, so I gave you honest feedback. Yeah. I, um, I, there was quite a lot of people that downloaded... Um, um, uh, an ebook that I've written um, mm. only because Lord Sugar tweeted that uh, my right man now has uh, the right plan. Do you know what I mean? As cheesy <laughs> it sounds, but shows the power of social media. There yeah, was yeah, um, sure. 18,000 hits on a website within the half an hour. Really? Off, off his Twitter, basically. Mm. So um, I've written this ebook. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, my spelling is absolutely terrible. Yeah. And um, I asked for some feedback on it. I don't know why I did that, because I don't like feedback. <laughs> but I, I thought like that's the in thing, innit? Everyone yeah. asked for feedback, yeah, uh, and I did. And 99 of them was like, you know, this is amazing. Obviously didn't read it. And one of them was like, you know, a spelling mistake on page 18, 19, 20, <laughs> and 21. So um, when I checked out who it was, it was Nicole. And, uh, you we started with a relationship? Uh, pretty much, yeah. And just sound that um, we both were really passionate about training young people, educating mm. them on sales and trying to get more people into the industry. And, you know, that's what we've been all about now for the last five years. Okay. And then for yourself then, Nicole, just for everyone the benefit, yeah. obviously, obviously you took a different path where, so you was a sales trainer mm. in recruitment businesses. Yeah. For how long? So I literally, I'd, I'd worked in a number of corporate businesses. Um, my last one was Virgin. Yeah. I was a sales trainer there for seven years. And then I decided to set up my own business. Mm. Um, so I set it up and I had it from about 2011. Um, and that's when I really found that my niche market was recruitment, recruitment because yeah. of my network. Um, mm. The amazing thing with recruitment, you never lose your network, no so matter true. how long you're out of it. Um, so it was a really good opportunity to start to build that. Um, and I think at that point, the training was going really well. But what you tend to find when you're doing sales training is all your clients always say to you, who do you know that might be looking for a job? Who do you know? Yeah, so yeah, you're kind of missing so out on a fee. Uh, so you're always recommending people and you, not really benefiting. Yes. And I think that's pretty much where we got to. We were like, really? everyone's asking us all the time. But also when you're training, people are like, oh, who's going to be really good? Who are the superstars in the session? And mm. nine times out of 10, you pretty much nail it. And you know mm. who's going to do well and who isn't. Um, but you always know that somebody's looking for someone. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, that's not a bad way to start a business, is it? When people are telling you, we need this help. Can you solve this yeah. problem? And you start a business around that. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. so many people in today's world now start a business, say it's the best idea, but then have no idea if people are actually going to engage with it or yeah. any of that beforehand. Do you know what I mean? So just for everyone listening then who, who may not know um, Prime, so what is the actual, from what I understand, you train people on sales or obviously you'll be able to explain it and then you take them to recruitment businesses. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much. So you run training academies 
And is it always people without sales experience or is it people with sales experience? Um, we Our target audience is graduate Grads. training market. So okay. we work with anyone that's looking to get a career, not a job. Mm. Um, and we have a really thorough process. So the whole purpose of Prime was to change the perception of sales, but make recruitment and sales a career of choice career rather choice, than yeah. a career that everyone just falls into. It's not promoted as a career when people go to uni. Mm. People don't go in going, I really want to come out being a recruiter. Yeah. But actually, it's an amazing career if you're given the tools and the skills to be successful. Okay. Um, so I think the gap in the market we saw is a lot of people fail in recruitment their first year, often because they either don't understand the role in the first place or they haven't been given the training to yeah, be yeah. successful. Mm. Um, so we kind of tried to take that away and go, let's offer a quality service. Don't be one of those businesses that just spams out CVs. Let's invest the time. Yeah. So we're not a volume recruiter. Mm. Um, we're much more quality led and we train our candidates before we place them. And then a lot of our clients use our training post-placement too. Yeah, that was my next question just for my benefit. Where does the training stop? So do you get involved with train actually helping training actual people who have got any years experience or whatever do you get involved with that or does yeah. it involve the junior end a lot of our clients use our training services separate as well so okay. we offer recruitment and training as an option or okay. individually the reason i think our clients buy into it is because we do bespoke training yeah. rather than off the shelf so we tailor it to mm. what they're looking for so there's more value to it okay um so we'll have clients that will perhaps put a group together where they'll have their directors in it, their managers in it, okay. their trainees in it, because they want a consistency there that everyone's exactly, working yeah. towards the same thing so they all know cool. what each other's expectations are. Okay, that's good to know. So um, obviously the both of you sort of have had, so did, did you ever have your own business before now? Before just, just just after The Apprentice, to be honest. Really? Um, which is when I had, I suppose, the courage <laughs> to go out there and, and yeah. do it on my own. And prior to that, I'd always been working in sales all my career. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, Nicole, you already had an experience starting your own business. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess, how was, um, how was the first year then? I always like to talk about that because uh, obviously you had this amazing idea Seems like everyone's going to pay money for it, but how was it actually that first year of now going to your clients? Look, we can actually help you. How uh, how was that journey the for the first, first year? This, this is probably going to be a bit of a curveball for people out there, but mm. for me, the first year is the easiest. Really? Um, because you're not up against growth. Mm. So everything you do is is growth at the end of the day. You know, That's business true. is all about scalability. Um, everything is fresh. Mm. Everything is new. Um, you are going to have more passion than you've ever had before to make it work because you know you've just left your job or you've done something to, yeah. to make it happen. Um, and usually there's only one or in our case two of you. Um, so mm. it's so exciting. Um, the challenge comes like now when you're five years in, you've got 20 employees and and kind of it's a lot harder to manage. So for yeah. me, the most enjoyment is is the first year. And yeah, people, I like think, that. people think it's great. Well, you'll know because what? Yeah, you? I, well, yeah, six six months in. Yeah. I think the bit that I would just add to that is that I it was always sort of my plan, but I love the fact that the complete responsibility is on me to mm. deliver what I sell to my clients. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right now, mm. obviously, you have 19, 20 heads. Obviously, that's sort of out of your control a bit more now, isn't it? Then in terms of what can be delivered to your clients in the end results. That's what I've realized in the last six months, that if it isn't as good as I said it was, well, that, that's on me. And I'm actually quite comfortable with that. It's true. And I'm in control of that at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so, no, I think I love the way that you put that. I guess, what about yourself, Nicole? Do you agree with that? Or <laughs> Yeah, um, I think what was interesting that first year was 
we're both really competitive people. Really? Yeah, and we hate failure. We like to succeed. So I think our first year, we didn't really have a plan. It was more about let's just hit targets, make, make money, make it happen. And then got to the end of it and we're like, right, okay, we've done that, but what, what are we actually trying to do? Um, yeah. Did you have a business plan? <laughs> we thought we had until we I'm, got to I'm, the I'm, end of year one yeah. and then realised yeah. that we didn't. Really? I'm, I'm yeah. known for, uh, for not planning, yeah. to really? be honest. But um, I think that was the biggest learning curve we had. Massive. Uh, we've got... Um, uh, non-exec director involved uh, who is um, you know uh, not a recruiter but proven entrepreneur mm. and to be fair you know the biggest advice we got probably going into year two stroke year three was mm. you know you need to you need plan. to put a plan instead of just make it happen and we did and we put a plan in place um, which we just come to the end of it for five years uh, and because of that we've gone on and overachieved mm. on everything that we said we how does that so, help then mm. having a plan because I think there'll be a lot of people listening who maybe think about starting their own recruitment business yeah. or whatever and I've probably had this conversation quite a few times because a lot of people I've spoken to who are now at sort of where you're at, maybe 15 heads, 10 heads, 20 heads or whatever, did start the business not knowing exactly what it looks like because it can be quite hard to visualize, especially in the mindset that you have. I've had the exact same mindset like, let's just start, get money in the bank and we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I guess like how if obviously so it seems like if you were to go back and start again, you would think about, okay, how would we want this to look Mm. a year from now, two years from now? Yeah. Would that be beneficial for people thinking yeah. about that? Yeah, I, th- I think it does. But at the same time, you, a plan's um, good if you if it's achievable and it's realistic. Mm. Um, and I think when you start a business, I think the biggest issue you know we had was, if we're really honest, it was like, right, first year we're going to do a million quid. And it was like, actually, no, it's going to take a, a couple of years to get to that point. <laughs> Graduate um, recruitment. Yeah, a, million, a million sounds good, though. And, and I, think, I think that's the difference. And then what you do, and this is the, the biggest you know, advice I would give starting, you put these targets together and you put, you're always, recruiter and salespeople are confident people, right? Yeah, it's what yeah. we do. So actually, we're always going to think we can go through and smash every single yeah. target. As soon as you put that target in place and then you don't start achieving it one month and then the next mm-hmm. month, and then you're like, oh my, this we're doing really bad here. Mm. Then the reality is you're not. It's just that you've probably been so optimistic in your yeah. time targets that weren't achievable in the first place yeah so i think plans are good absolutely and i think mm-hmm. now the stage we're in you have to have a business plan in place for yeah, sure. Yeah, sure but for the first year it's about enjoying it it's about yeah. going out there and making a difference and, and mm-hmm. doing doing what you can i think uh, yeah i think uh, there is an element of that but i think you also one thing we learned was if you're going into business someone you don't really know yeah I was as well without a plan you yeah. have two very different perspectives mm. on what what success looks like what you're trying to achieve and i think that's what our biggest learn probably well, one of them was in the first year was that we thought we were on the same page and we got to the year we were completely different really? views on yeah, what true. we were trying to achieve so yeah. how did how how have you both got better at that then because there'll be a lot of people listening that one don't like the idea of starting on their own two like the idea of starting with someone else has it been communicating better or i don't know what do you do now do you have like monthly catch-ups or i don't know <laughs> well i'll tell you what i'll do i'll give the positives <laughs> and then the call can give the negatives so it won't terms- take you long then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think i think the positive and again i get asked quite a bit about um when they're doing talks or whatever it is about you know what advice would you give to someone trying to start a business yeah and one of the bits of advice i'd always give is you should partner up with somebody Mm. Um, and you should partner up with somebody that's got different skill set to you, yeah. which gives you a more rounded uh, skill set as a business. Sure, um, We are different uh, in the way that we look at things, but that means that we usually get to the right conclusion at the mm. end. Um, so for me, partnering up is great. Um, listened to one of your podcasts recently, uh, and the gentleman was was on his own, and yeah. I think his advice was, if he had his time again, he'd partner he would, up. Yeah, so true. Because imagine when things are great, who do you celebrate with? Uh, when things aren't so good, who do you go to? 
project, which yeah. is probably the toughest time. So I do mm. think having a partner is important, but having somebody that has a different skill set to you is equally important to give you, uh, you know, better skill set overall. So I think just round that off, it's like also make make sure you know your strengths as well. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, now on to the negatives. <laughs> oh, I don't think we've got all day. Um, it, I don't know. I think there's, it's challenging, yeah. really challenging. I think we all, all we are both quite strong characters. Mm. Um, stubborn as well i think we both think we're both right all the time so it is good in the fact that you come with so many different ideas and you will always get to an end result but actually sometimes the end result isn't what either of you came up with yeah but you have to battle that out to get to the end result and i think it's just trying to keep things focused mm. and not think you're always right are we doing the <laughs> dubai office then or <laughs> And don't run before you can walk. Yeah, I think <laughs> board meetings are interesting. To be yeah. honest, that's why I think it's worked really well having a non-exec as well, mm. because the two of us may disagree or, or agree on certain things yeah. on some mm. things. Um, but having a non-exec there, you've got that person to go listen, you know, let's go this way, yeah. go that way. And when did you it. engage in a non-exec? At the start. The, yeah, really? right at the very start. three of us involved from, from day one. And was that intentional? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Again, that, that I think that's pretty good advice as well, isn't it? And yeah. I think also as well, I like the idea of having someone not in the recruitment world because I think that's obviously there's pros and cons to that as mm. well but I think having someone that um, may not have worked in recruitment but has mm. a good business acumen is beneficial absolutely it's quite easy to get mm. obviously someone that obviously only lives and breathes recruitment but yeah. did it 50 million years ago do you know what I mean yeah. I think well, that's, you, you've got to know your skill set and, yeah. and you know we're we'll both openly admit you know scaling a business isn't what we've done before mm. uh, I've been in, I'm a salesman uh, Nicole had been a trainer for a number of years Had great businesses but we'd never scaled a business yeah. so having someone there that can give us that guidance i.e. you need to make sure the plan's in place you need to execute it mm. different advice has helped us grow um, mm. so yeah I'd, I'd strongly recommend it but again it's again it's about having the right person isn't yeah, it yeah. Um, I think when you're in recruitment as well though there, it's the most networked industry yeah. so if you want to get advice or information or guidance from people you'll always find someone in recruitment that's willing to have a chat or get to, mm, like totally. just there's like so many groups and networks whereas getting outside perspective on a business rather than it just being about recruitment mm. has been massively beneficial really? for us yeah. yeah okay first year then was it just you two at the end of the year still no how many um, people did you end up we Five? five really yeah five and how was um, that then including really us well interestingly our process um is quite unique so we do a training day uh which in graduate recruitment for your own business for, for, yeah so we we obviously for our uh, for our clients we run training days where clients come and observe people being trained and mm. they select who they'd like from the process it's mm. a, it's a it's um kind of bringing the traditional assessment sensor into the modern era is the yeah. way I look at it by training people yeah um, we did our own training day in the first kind of few weeks of setting up we hired uh, Kyle uh, who's the, the press which prince uh, <laughs> is a part of Manchester if you're listening to <laughs> uh, we came to our training day at the time it was on um, it was quite interesting things on the back of doing the BBC Apprentice wasn't it so we had mm. quite a lot of people like coming in yeah, and, yeah. and there was like a guy from Bulgaria who came over there was like this guy who could speak Mandarin there was a, an ex-professional Man City footballer and then there was Kyle from Presswich um, and to be fair that was a difference that's where we knew we had to recruit on our values on our culture and we recruited Kyle who now is five years in he's a sales manager he's going on to be a director in the business nice. did you he's know your culture so. at year one though do you know what I mean it was I the advice that's been a process. I think we you know, it was probably an amazing piece of advice we were given again from our night it was you start a business with your values so mm. what is it you're trying to create um, so our first real challenge was 
what is the vision? Like, what yeah. do you want to create? And and we established we wanted to create a business where people wanted to work, like people wanted to join our business. Everyone yeah. wanted to work there. Um, and then we looked at what were the values that would make that happen, both for internal perspective, but worked externally as well with clients. Yeah. And I think from that, everything we did was always underpinned with the values that so anything we make a decision on, we're always told, does it fit Is with it the values? Aligned, yeah. Is it aligned? And if it isn't, don't do it. I think values can be quite like just a bit overlooked now and just a bit like, yeah, like you, you sort of need them, but then do you know what I mean? Mm. I just think like people can very easily end up with values that are like professional integrity, honest, all the normal stuff. But One of them's ours. <laughs> <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is like, are you someone that lives and breathes by them? Yeah. Are you someone that, yeah. as you said, makes business decisions on those values and that's why they're there and that's why it's they're so important. It's knowing what they mean and I think yeah, it's exactly. the education piece around it of do you actually know what values mean and why they're there and as long as people know what they mean and how to deliver on them, then you always mm. have alignment. Even if people don't agree, yeah. they pull each other on the values Yeah. Um, and will feed back I on think, that basis. I think when you do is well, I remember the first time we, we had the meeting with the non-executives, right? The first thing we do with this business is you set a vision and your values. And we did this three-hour exercise with him about it. And at the time, I'm thinking, this is just cheesy, right? Yeah, this yeah. Values, what, whatever. It's, yeah. And now, if I'm completely honest, everything we do is around values yeah. and vision. It was the best thing we ever did. So I'd advise people do it at the very really start. Really think about mm. that. Yeah, that's wicked. And, and don't just do it for for doing its sake, like, as you said. You've got like, to believe it. Yeah, really mm. commit to it. Um, so you gave yourself, you had, you, you wanted to do a million quid revenue. <laughs> How did you do in the first year, mate? <laughs> we did about, um, probably two, 250k, I really? think it was. Not bad, uh, is it? For, absolutely first not, year. From, from a standing start. Um, it's what we wanted to do. Um, and had it all, and it been so. recruitment clients, yeah? Or mm, first, year. first year rec to rec or graduate rec to rec yeah. um, it's now year five that we, we're kind of 50-50 rec to rec and, and sales recruitment which was and, always the plan and what's the um, just to give me some context the sales piece what what types of what is it like financial sales or tech sales or is it just sales yeah predominantly um, tech sales yeah. um, but everything that every company we partner with is companies that are going to invest in young talent but mm. develop them through uh, mm. there has to be training structures in place because the retention rates generally the reason why we set this business up are so poor in graduate recruitment going into sales because of the pressurized environment and so yeah. on. we wanted to change that and, and last year you know i think our proudest moment of all is although we smashed our financial targets 90 percent of our placements last year uh, have passed the probationary That's period amazing, yeah. uh, and that to be to us is the biggest why we, the, we set it yeah. all five years ago to make a difference and a change and last year was, the was massive mm -hmm. and they're going up even though the volume of placements going up yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's cool okay um, right so with that in mind then as well or did you start in Manchester and have your office because we were in London today? So yeah. then when did you open the London office? And um, Year three. So we did first three years in Manchester. London's just finished its second year. Really? Okay, cool. So year two to year three, mm -hmm. what was that like? Um, year two to year three. Um, I think that's when you know you've got something good. Mm. Uh, you've proven it you've tested it yeah. and that's where the pressure comes because then like I said you're up against growth it's expected yeah. um, and for me that's when I think the pressure really started to come in that you know you then got employees you go to you know eight nine ten people mm. you've got responsibilities uh, and no matter where you look at business you know your business is built on your people but at the same time your biggest challenge is are your people so yeah. uh, things have changed for us dramatically at that, at that time I would say really what um, grads 
What's their perception of recruitment? <laughs> well, probably it, I'm sure that's changed. Right. Probably mine when I left after ten months. To be honest, uh, no training. Like, dealing with these people, obviously, yeah, obviously, yeah. still deal with them now. But yeah, what I'm, I'm sure it's changed. Like, has it changed from that year one? If you think of the people that you have in those training um, days to now, what what's the typical perception of a grad of recruitment? Initially, not great. Yeah, um, it's an education piece, isn't it? Everyone has a perception <clears throat> until you change that perception. Yeah. Our whole process is about identifying what they want from a career, mm. identifying what their characteristics and traits are as an individual, and then going, does that match this industry? And if it does, then educate them on what the industry is all about, what the challenges are, but also what the rewards are if you're good at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then bringing through a process that allows them to get to see that firsthand. What are the traits, characteristics, in your opinion? Um, I the My number one... Um, Someone asked me this the other day, uh, hands down is work ethic. Really? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it's come up a lot recently. Yeah, I think people underestimate how hard you have to work to be successful in that first year to two years. Yeah. Um, and that's where people struggle. I'll, I'll, I'll always bring this up because I, I love getting people's different opinion on it. Work ethic now in 2019, 2020, I don't know, for me, I just feel like in today's world, my mind and I feel like other people's mind just go straight to like late hours no flexible working. Yeah. No dogs in the office. And then you walk outside, there's two dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two people, people, people sleeping in the booths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what I mean? When you say work ethic to a grad now, or do you know what I mean? A young person in today's world. I don't know. I just feel like they're the things that are attached to work ethic, I think. I don't know. Like, what? I think it, it, a lot has changed. There's a lot of stigma around graduates, isn't there? Mm. I think the reality is the society that they've grown up in is very different to what recruitment used to be like 20 years ago. Yeah. So they don't have the same outlook on certain things. So if, if a graduate wants to learn something or know something, they can know it straight away. You ask Google, you ask Siri, exactly, you ask yeah. Alexa. Things are instant. If you order something, it comes next day. Recruitment's not like that. Mm. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not that quick. So patience is a big thing. Mm. Um, and it's making people recognize that, do you know what? You're not going to see an instant return. You're not going to see a quick return. You're not going to see a quick win. It's about longevity. Mm. So our education piece, when we do our training session, a lot of it is around mindset and going. It's an amazing career, but you've got to work hard. That first year, you're going to have to make sacrifices yeah. if you want to be really successful. But it's about being smart with your time as well. Yeah. Like you could work less hours than somebody else but if you're literally working those hours exactly, yeah. and not getting distracted and losing focus you'll be far more productive so mm. it's your choice at the end of the day how many hours really you're going to have to put in based on what you do with the hours mm. I and hours. i think part of that as well it's so easy in today's world to, like i could sort of be someone outside looking in into your business and go up oh, prime are doing all right aren't they do you know like it's just so easy to see where mm. you are five years now are yeah. they're opening an office here mm. doing well whereas it's it's way more difficult now to see or people aren't willing to share all the stuff that leads up to that and the challenges and Absolutely. the graft and the work effort do you know what I mean it's so easy just to see the finished result yeah. and not see that um, how do you sell recruitment to these uh, people because I, th I love the way that you're talking about it I think uh, as I've always been open around sort of my story it was always sold to me around just the good parts right and I mm. think a lot of people um, are sold just the good parts of recruitment Um how obviously you're talking about patience, you're talking about work ethic, you're talking about mindset, mm. which is brilliant. What, how do you, t what, how would you say you sort of sell recruitment to these people? <clears throat> we sell them out of it. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like um, so, you know, we're not about, obviously we're about volumes of placements because we want to grow. Mm. We'd rather make good placements. Our biggest, we don't, we don't 
work to KPIs. It's mm. not we do, but obviously we work to some targets, but we don't make the guys do an X amount of calls or meet X amount of people because it drives the wrong mentality. Mm. What we do, we work on quality because that 90% success rate is what we want to continue to grow. Mm. So for us, what we want is people that, 50% of people that fall out recruitment didn't want it in the first place. Mm. So what we try and do is work that out in the interview process so we put them on. Qualify people out. Yeah, I, I was speaking to one of the, the well known. Like, uh, sell a pen and that. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good trick. That's a good trick. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've, uh, we've moved on from that. Um, what we uh, what we do is we're we're more honest probably with our job adverts for a start. Mm. I spoke to one of the really um, you know market leading job boards not so long ago, and they were like, "Do you know how you need to get more applications? What you need to do is put you know the the bracket range from eighteen k, which is a base, you know, to like forty or fifty k, because you're going to get more people that yeah. apply." And I'm like, "Well, that's not what they're going to earn." Well, yeah, mm. well that's the OTE. Whoever does that in the first year is probably the top 10% or mm. people that have ever done recruitment. You're not going to earn that. Mm. Um, you're going to earn mid-20s if you're doing well. And that's mm. being realistic because you've got you've to work hard. So we're more honest from where it starts. We're more honest about the fact of, you know, the hours you have to put in and everything else. And if you're honest at the start and put people off and they still come back and want it, and then they come to the training event and then they do another interview, the more likely to go into that job thinking, actually, this is for me. Mm. Um, and that's what we do at the start, really. Um, so rather than sell them in, we sell them out and of course we've I got like to do that. our job mm -hmm. but you want to place people that are going to be successful and, and we're all about changing that perception and making careers of people not people that go and have free jobs in a year mm. so if we sell them into it too much we're not doing the right thing so mm. you know that's that's what we tend to do you know because you i mean i've um i've had a couple of people on this podcast share their sort of grad assessment center experience mm. and it sounds pretty grim yeah <laughs> quite yeah. a lot of them some it's of them tough. just sound really bad yeah yeah it's, it's tough it's sell the person, sell the person next to you. It's you see everyone that yeah. gets cut and all that. I never mm, ended yeah, up going yeah. to one of them. It's brutal. Mm. It's absolutely brutal. And we, we set this up and we looked at the well-known competitors that do it. And don't get me wrong, they do some things amazingly well. Mm. Um, and they probably make more placements than us, some of the market leaders. Mm. But mm. what they don't do is have that retention rate. Mm. And that retention rate is purely there because of the training, development and taking care and, and showing people the downsides as well as the upsides of the industry. Because it's not for everyone, is it? No. Do you know what I mean? People people don't go to uni choose wanting to be a recruiter at the end of it. They fall into it. But yeah. for us, if they knew more about it before going to uni and saw it as a career, and for me, it's given me entrepreneurial skills, so help sure. me set up a business, then people may choose it. And we're just about trying to get more people actually looking at it as a career rather than kind of thinking, oh God, I can't get anything else or fall into recruitment. Mm. So what? just just to sort of finalize that, you can talk about what it's like now and stuff, but as I think you just mentioned, Nicole, around there definitely is a misconception of grads, isn't there, in terms of... Mm. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about they're not as willing to work as hard or instant gratification, wherever it may be. What What do you think is the sort of biggest misconception from your point of view from working with a lot of grads? I think they're all just put under the same bracket, aren't they? Yeah. And we've got a really strong team. And what we've identified is that they don't fit that mold of don't want to work hard or don't want to do the long hours. Mm. There's a, a lot of people that do. Mm. It just comes down to what people want and what they're prepared to do to achieve it. Mm. So it's what you're looking for in individuals. It is a bit cliche to say, but you're looking for those driven, those ambitious people, those people that don't want to fail. They want to be successful, but they also have not just a money motivation, but a success desire as well. Mm. So it's finding the right characteristics because they're 
I genuinely think it's it's a perception that's put across the majority, but it's probably the minority. Mm. Um, the candidates we speak to, our process is so thorough that it's all about getting to know them as individuals and then looking for the right traits right that traits, yeah. we, we all know what makes a great recruiter great. Um, it's finding those traits within those individuals. So we've got a team where they're not afraid to work long hours. They're not afraid to pick up the phone in the evening, get on the phone at the weekend if they have to, because they want to be successful. Mm. We're not saying you've got to do it. They're choosing to do it because success is important to them. Mm. Um, so I do think to, it's... Um, just about that, you tend to find people and, and from doing what we do, uh, and this is probably a tip for people interviewing outside of what we do. So um, is people who've made a sacrifice to further their self or their mm. career. It doesn't have to be a career. For example, people that are moving to London because they feel that's what the, the, the hub of the world where they're going to make the best impact. Yeah. They've got more fire in the belly. They're moving away from the friends. People who've made a sacrifice for their career tend to make great recruiters because mm. they're so driven on the end goal mm. uh, rather than people that might want an easy life. And that's fine if you do, but recruitment is tough. You've mm. got to be willing to make sacrifices mm. and put the hours in, particularly in your first year. Mm. Um, and I think, um, no, that, that is interesting. That, that, I love what you said that. I think, um, so back to the business then, year two, year three, because you're in year five now. Yeah. So if we talk about year two year to year four, so you just finish your fifth year. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Year two to year four. Obviously, yeah, as you said, real proof of concept that, I mean, yeah, done great in terms of revenue, in terms of for mm -hmm. the year one. What, what then went on over those, the last couple of years then? Because, like how? Because how many competitors do you have? Because I feel like when once wow. I've learned a bit about you guys, it's like fucking how great are they? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Train people and then send them to recruitment businesses. Like that, it just makes yeah. sense. Do you know what I mean? So, I guess how? Yeah, how did how did those years go? And what were some of the sort of ups and downs there? Wow, um, <laughs> I, I, I think we touched on it before. I think the you know it's different now. We're at, you know um, twenty heads, mm. and and that is a great and amazing thing to have, you know, so many people that are working in your business that are passionate about what we're about and mm. changing that perception of sales and doing something a bit differently. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're also got a team of millennials, like Nicole was mentioning, yeah. impatient, want to, want to progress quickly. So I think managing people is, is probably been the, the biggest challenge. Has it? Um, and you take, you take on grads? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we so believe, believe, take on the people in the process. Yeah, yeah, fair yeah. Mm. Okay. So let, let's talk about that then, because I think it, it falls into why a recruitment agency is so bad at recruiting for themselves mm. at the yeah. end of the day. Is, do, do you know what I mean? That's, that's the problem that you're aiming to solve as well as yeah. changing the perception of recruitment, these types of things. And yeah, like let's talk a bit about some of the learnings of there. I mean, mm. I, I haven't sat down with many people on this podcast, I don't think, who are solely just hire grads. Mm -hmm. um, I think I always end up having a conversation with people that have not sure on experience hires because they feel like they come potentially bad habits or whatever. Yeah. People love the thought of taking someone that's, yeah, a grad or some sales experience because they can mold them to whatever that is, whatever they have. So I guess for yourself and your own business then, what, what have been some of the learnings of managing people if that's been a challenge? Do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an interesting one because obviously we work in, in recruitment mm. um, and most of our clients will always say, if you've got anyone experienced, let us know about them. Mm. Um, but, good recruiters are hard to come by because if they're great they're being looked after really yeah. well um so they're they're few and far between um and 
I think the, the view of a business owner is like, if I bring in some of the experience, yes, there's a risk, they've got bad habits, they might have burnt out, but there's also the advantage that they know what they're doing, they yeah. can hit the ground running and they can start making money fast. Whereas bringing in a trainee, they've got no proven track record. Um, you don't know if they're going to work or not. You've got to invest a huge amount of time in, in training them, developing them, and you're not guaranteed a return. So I think there's that massive concern of, is it is it going to work or isn't it? But I think my view is if you're taking a trainee and you give them the right development, you can make it work. Mm. Um, our results have proven that it can work. And I think getting it right is never easy. But one thing that we've learned with that graduate sort of market is progression and development are probably two of the most important yeah. things to them. But everyone mm. thinks it's money and success. Yes, they're important. But they've just come out of learning for three or four years and they're in that learning mentality. And if they go into a role and then they just go, right, here's the product, this is what we do, this is our market, but they're not shown or taught how to sell it, they very quickly go, right, well, I know what it is, but I don't know how to do the job then that's when they start to go, well, it's not working for me. And then people go, all right, recruiting graduates just doesn't work. It's yeah, not yeah, It's yeah. not the right way forwards. But I think our biggest learn has, if you invest in them, and I'm not talking about classroom training all the time, the best learning happens on the job. Mm. Um, giving your management team the skills to be able to coach and feedback on the job really well will make them really effective really quickly because they don't want to sit in a classroom all day. They mm. want to be doing the job. They want to learn by doing but feedback real time is probably the most critical mm. tool you can have. So, so is it fair to say then one of the key, the key lands are for you guys then is having a bit of a sort of clear career progression structure, communicating, Very okay, this so, is where yeah. you are today, this is where we'd like you to be, this is what you can be, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think making um, that sort of crystal clear for the people you bring in your business. To, to mm. back, back that up, I believe, and I can only go from my own goals, uh, but at the same time, more and more for millennials anyway, that progression is probably more important than money. Mm. Um, and I think actually, when you get asked that question, progression or money, really, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, for me, Progression works really well. Uh, one thing that we did, uh, which I think was a big step change in the business, was change the promotional criteria. And again, it's probably another bit of advice for people that are going from maybe 10, trying to grow to mm. 20. How, how did you have it before then? Um, well, it took probably a year to get promoted um, to the next and level. And how, how would you measure that on, typically? Well, uh, billings. Just uh, billings? And, well, no, values. And like, yeah, um, how are they? Yeah, okay, Absolutely. Yeah. But one thing we did was, um, so you put, you've got to put yourself into the mindset of millennial. Um, mm. like, like we've mentioned before, um, you know, if you need some new earphones, you can get them ordered from Amazon on the day. You know, mm. you can either swipe left or right on Tinder don't know which way it is but get a girlfriend if you want <laughs> don't lie <laughs> so but the point is you can get everything straight away yeah any business now that has progression for a millennial that's going to take 12 months minimum for me are going to lose people really because they're going to be disengaged they're going to want it sooner than that mm. so a uh, big thing that we did was put um, a step change role in the middle so give really? them a promotion give them a title maybe just give them an extra grand doesn't have to be a massive amount financially but give them something to work towards for six months mm. and then in another six months they've achieved what they would have done over 12 but they feel like they've been oh, promoted really twice advice. and that's one big thing that I would say if you're going to hire graduates Mm. give them shorter objectives to work towards because a month uh, sorry a year is probably like 10 years in, mm. in, in a graduate's eyes and that's the reality especially in the world of a, a recruiter right or someone that's early on because those first 12 months can feel like fucking five years yeah. do you know what I mean like it can be really yeah, difficult and really absolutely. unforgiving in that first year mm -hmm. so I think that's such a great point there and it's so you've typically done it on Billings, but then also sort of um, them demonstrating the values and living and breathing them and these types of yeah, things. Yeah, Nicole's probably a better yeah, person I think, to um, it, but definitely there's more than just a Billings for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Has to yeah, I'd say we start everyone as a resourcer. 
Mm. Um, and so it's all about placements for them, but there's so many different things they've got to deliver on. Mm. Um, and what we're looking for is, is conversion rates more than anything else. So getting candidates to the training day and being picked out. So we're working on have we invested into the right people? So it's all mm. about quality. So values is probably the big one. We've actually had people where we've promoted based on the fact that they've actually delivered on all of those things, but not necessarily on the billings, yeah, the billings but ticked yeah. all the others, but went way and beyond in all the other areas. So for us, the value that they're contributing to the business is far greater than just a revenue mm. target. And is that because you know if they keep working at those metrics and those conversions that the bit, the billings are going to come? 100%, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also it's just setting a good example. I think we're, we're in a team where people look to other people as to where shall I go next. And I think if I've got someone who's setting a great example of what, what we're looking for is a great recruiter in our business then you want people to look to them and go actually they've been promoted why have they been promoted what is it they're doing that I need to replicate mm. there's also a piece on this and this is um, again I think I heard on a previous podcast um, you know people that because they're billing really well it means they can mentor or manage resources or they're getting for the team for me that's completely the wrong move mm. what uh, what we've created is and a lot of businesses have this so it's not unique but you know you can go down the individual bill as much and make as much money as a one route or yeah. you can go down the the team leader route but there's a key difference here that the team leader route means that your objectives aren't just based on billings yeah because if you create somebody that's going to be a team leader that all they're focused about is their own billings then are they going to be the right person to yeah, inspire exactly. the team so values um you know the way that they mentor other people you know help out other people the team is probably as important as their billings if they're going to go into yeah. management but i think it's the point as you made like if you don't have that option in your recruitment business right now, then mm. that's something you should definitely oh, think about. hundred percent. Not everybody's a good manager, talent. are they? We we, we mm. kind of laugh and joke about it. It's quite, I quite like management, you know, mm. hence why I came out of recruitment after 10 months because yeah. I got an, an opportunity to manage. That's all I've ever wanted to do. Mm. And Nicole's the flip side of that. She she doesn't like the management side. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like, it's, you've got to find people what, what they're good at, where their goals, yeah. where they're going to get to. We could all be successful doing either side of things we don't like, but yeah. you're going to be more successful and reach your potential if you do what you like yeah and um, what would be good to get both your opinions on is because I mean there, there'll definitely be so many people listening that either hire for their business or hire for their team or whatever and hire the type of people that you speak to um, where where do recruitment agencies really get it wrong when hiring grads do you know what I mean? What do they? What, where do they get it really wrong? Where you can really just sort of communicate some of the things that you know grads don't really really don't appreciate. I don't know. Just some of the common mistakes that you hear and see recruitment agencies make when it comes to hiring a lot of young talent without any experience. <clears throat> You can tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All, all of a sudden, all our clients are no longer clients anymore. <laughs> Thanks for that. You said that's a, that, no. Um, uh, being really I'm honest with it. Uh, no, being really honest with it. It comes down to training development, mm. um, and I know that's that's our USP. But I'm not um, pitching for us. What it really needs to have is if you want to take on a graduate, yeah. you are going to have to train and develop them. Yeah. Okay. And that means that you can't expect in the first year you're going to get a return. You can't expect that they're going to be great at BD within a year. You can't expect that they're going to be smashing the candidate piece. You've got to give them training development, particularly for that first year of employment. Um, 
every recruitment business may say we've got great training, um, but if we're really honest with ourselves and look at our business, mm. have we got great training? Have yeah. we got the support? I think that's fair. You're going to recruit somebody that you back because they, they smash their interviews, but if you don't support them and train them, they're never going to be great at it. Mm. So for me, uh, whether you use external providers or you have a dedicated trainer or you've got somebody who can really mentor that's not just applicable for billing all the time, mm then that for me is a great start. And unfortunately, it's a challenge because a lot of our businesses, you know, predominantly we work with SMEs, right? Mm. Recruitment businesses, you know, tend to be, you know. Um, yeah, the large majority of employees under 10 Absolutely. Staff. So, you yeah. know, we're really helping develop them and we'll always give them advice is don't take a punt on someone that you can't support. Yeah. You know, get the support in place and they'll be more likely to be successful. How long should, how I know obviously like you can't just sort of give a blanket answer, but like, how long should these people expect to like? If I'm mm. if I'm serious about hiring for my business and I'm 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 up for hiring grads or people with just some sales experience or whatever, how long should I give these people? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, well, it, it depends, doesn't it? If, yeah. you, if you're, I mean, someone with a sales experience, uh, again, it depends what type of sales experience it is, right? Um, so, firstly, I suppose if someone with experience, you're going to expect things from sooner, obviously. Yeah. Um, a graduate, you're going to have to be really realistic. Um, it, this is about long-term planning. You know, it's only now that we're kind of, I suppose more so from Manchester's point mm. of view, uh, you know, London's absolutely smashing it at the moment mm. and, and will overtake Manchester naturally because of the because uh, the fees generated here and mm. higher salaries. But Manchester's, you know, so established now that, you know, it's an expectation now that targets are smashed and delivered on. Um, but we also need to continue to develop people at the same time. Mm. And I think that's the biggest challenge, no matter if you're one employee, 10, 20 or, or 50, the training support has to be there. Yeah, I think mm. what's really interesting at that point, though, and I think you've probably done podcasts with so many people that have said the same thing. They don't build they, the, some of the most successful recruiters had the worst first six months year, ever yeah. or the six worst months. first yeah. year ever, yet they've ended up... And <laughs> <laughs> you, Chris. Yeah. Uh, they ended up literally being best performers, top billers, yeah. managing directors. And I think that's what people have to remember is that not everyone's going to hit the ground running from day one. Mm. Um, you've got to give them a bit of time. We had a conversation with a client a few months ago and a couple of the candidates were a couple of months in and they were like, well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And I'm like... Think back to why you hired them in the first place. Yeah. What can you be doing differently to ensure that they can perform? And now they're doing great. Yeah. But it's sometimes you panic, don't you? Yeah, not seeing anything I mean. quick enough and you go, like right, they're not performing, get yeah, them out, yeah. get someone else that's in. That's what I mean. I guess Doesn't on the flip work. side then, from the context that you're talking about there, what are some, so what, that's some really good advice. Make sure you remember why you hired these people, what you saw in them, etc. Because you can quite easily forget that when mm. they don't put anything on the board for three months. But then on top of that as well, what my own personal experience when I was in the business of eight people and sat direct, directly next to the owner of the business was demonstrating the the right activity and stuff absolutely. like that. Yeah, like, absolutely. What, what what's yeah? What should they? What are key things that they should be looking out for? Yeah. Is it yeah? What just? To, I think we we talk about this a lot, especially when we're training and we train graduates for change. Train managers mm. as well is that we all know there's two things is will and their skill yeah. and I don't expect them to have that skill for the first six twelve months yeah. but I expect them to have the will so mm. if they're demonstrating the right work ethic the right attitude the right focus they're going outside the, the day to try and learn about the market if they're showing all the right traits then I know and I'm confident we can develop them yeah if they're not showing that, then I'd, I'd be concerned. Then that's when you should definitely yeah. be concerned and have a conversation. I think that's yeah. fair. We, you know, we've um, certainly not going to name names, but we've we've got a couple of really strong people that probably 
wasn't hitting where we want them to hit. Mm. But 12 months in now, by a little bit more support, a bit more development, just because they were working harder and they're showing the, the effort, well, yeah. they're now successful. Mm. So you've got to be willing to, to give time. And don't get me wrong, we manage a business. So, you know, we're like no other business. There's got to be a point. Mm. You know, we work to targets. There has to be a return because that's what recruitment's about. Mm. But be realistic. For the first year, just be realistic and give training support. And you'll be amazed the retention rates will improve. But training support has to be given. Mm. And it can't just be, you know, he's great at recruitment, so sit with him. Mm. It's got to be a structured training program. And you will see your retention rates improve. Mm. Um, so fifth year prime then <clears throat> on the mission to change perception of recruitment sales yeah obviously you, you won a an award this year as well that i know you're really proud of um how how do you think you're doing against this mission of yours to change the perception okay um, <laughs> i think well we've trained um three and a half thousand really? graduates now um on, on recruitment and sales so uh that's three and a half thousand people that have gone away with some skills they didn't have when we met them mm. so i think that's a massive Amazing. massive leap forward um is recruitment and sales don't get Nicole started. <laughs> well, I wrote a blog on it. You should check it out, actually. Yeah, we, we actually wrote a blog on it after not winning the award we won three years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but on it, um, absolutely. Because that was one of the questions uh, that came up that, that first year round. Really? It's like, it's recruitment, it's not sales. And I was like, hey. recruitment is sales. Yeah. So I wrote a blog on it afterwards, yeah. and everyone's like, no, recruitment is sales. Be, being, being someone that's worked in sales more so than recruitment, yeah. I, I would honestly say recruitment it's, is... It's is, really interesting, though. So um, you may, may or may not have seen did a live event not too long ago mm -hmm. and this came up um, because I think we spoke a lot around recruitment becoming a profession and, and it's sort of definitely going that way and that's that's what we want for the industry but um, a lot was spoken about um, being being consultative adding value these types of things and I think when, when we did talk about selling it sales it, it did get quite a bit of pushback that weren't no it's it's being consulted in these types of things do you know what i mean mm. so i i personally i personally really think recruitment in sales and i don't know i just don't understand how you can not say that i think if you're if you think sales is then just pushing people in the corner to take a job that they don't want then yeah mate, that definitely isn't how it should be but mm. for me it, it was always why i got into it was i wanted to expand on my sales skills which it definitely helped me to do and that's because i went from a real transactional environment to a sort of more consultative environment in recruitment um, but I don't know, I, I think there is a real conversation there around, because I'm sure you see it a lot now, it's, we're adding value, we're consultative, and it's, it's sales is less used. But that's still selling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I agree. It's still I, selling. And I think that's the thing, it's it's easy to to put a label on sales and go, that's selling. But ultimately, fact-finding, solution selling, all mm. those things, it's still part of the process. It's still part of the sales process. You mm. uncover a requirement, you find out what's going on, you question a lot, you're really inquisitive, and then you go, do you know what? We can help you with that. Mm. So you're influencing, you're negotiating, you're, it's, everything is selling, it's, it's um, but in the right way. Form. It's a different form of selling. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a salesman, I've got to be honest. Uh, my biggest challenge going into recruitment was the length of the process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being someone who likes the same repetitive kind of pitch being more transactional was was for me what sales is yeah. it's a lot more transactional it's quicker it's kind of deal 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 recruitment 
probably the more senior you get into it as well, yeah. is a lot slower paced. So you've got to be more patient and consultative. So I do believe it is different. Uh, but if anything, uh, and I would say it's probably the most challenging of all sales roles because you are dealing with both sides, yeah. uh, candidate and client. So you're actually doing more selling than anyone else. You just have to be a bit more consultative in your approach. Mm. So... Why do you think you um, won this award? What's the name of the award? Because I'm, I'm, I'm clueless, apologies. But it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an award to be proud of, right? Yeah, so the award is the, the Bezman Awards, which is supported by the ISM, um, so the Institute of Sales Management. Um, it's probably the most prestigious sales awards. Um, so it is sales, not yeah. recruitment. Um, yeah, and it's a sales training provider of the year. Mm. So, yeah, it was... What, what do you think are the core things that contribute to that? Obviously, some amazing stats of the amount of people you've impacted. Yeah. yeah. What what contributes to that? Well, Why I'll, do you think I'll, you won that um, award? I'll take that because Nicole doesn't like bigging herself up. So, <laughs> uh, so um, I think there's two, there's two key things. Um, firstly, we've got um, a unique concept. Mm. Um, the ISM this year really bought into it. Um, usually recruitment businesses won't win any form of sales award. So to mm. win that as a recruitment business and as a business that's doing something different, yeah, they backed. And that's all about getting young people into sales and recruitment as a career. So mm. I think our concept of training candidates before and after they get the job and the 90% success rate is key. Mm. However, um, the biggest factor of it, and, and Nicole won't uh, like to admit it, is, is Nicole. Um, mm. So uh, three years of trying to win the award, and if people want to talk about resilience, being told three times that you know recruitment isn't sales yeah. or or being put back because maybe you're dealing at the graduate end, and actually you know we want to talk about people you know training senior leaders of the industry. Um, and being told that and then still going back three times over and winning the award, I think is true testament to her. And all our training concepts, our models are written by Nicole. So yeah. obviously the, the 90% success rate is down to the training we deliver, but the training's only good as the content that you have. Yeah, of course. Um, so um, Nicole is, is a massive factor in that, as well as the, the unique concept that we're really proud of. That's wicked. Nicole? Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, um, I think it was... A different year this year obviously we've, we've got five years behind us and we're proven now um i think the challenge the last few years you're competing we're probably in the wrong awards to be honest we're in an award where it's all about businesses that are sales training businesses and we're different because mm. we're a recruitment and training company and training, yeah. so we were the only business that came along where we are not 100 percent sales training, sales training yeah. we are 50 50 and this year i think being able to get across the fact that actually we're at a point now where we've changed so many people's career options yeah. to get them successful in a career that perhaps they hadn't even considered and getting more people into the industry. And I think being able to highlight that probably the biggest challenges this industry faces is attracting and then retaining the best talent. Totally. And being able to do what we do and add that little bit of value that actually takes their career to success rather than failure. I think this year we were able to really show and demonstrate the achievements that we had and that's probably what got us to the win. Nicole, where do you think a lot of people get, so obviously a huge part as you said then there was the content and you said that yeah. bespoke a lot of things that you do. I mean look, you don't have to share all the secrets but like where do you think a lot of tr sort of trainers get it wrong? Because I think, I, I just think of a conversation I had recently um, I was speaking to a, a, a chap and I was talking. To, I, I was pitching him some business. And he's like, "Yeah, like trainers. Like some of them are great, but there's a lot of crap ones out there." <laughs> I always think, like, if you're good at what you do, why would you why would you stop doing it? As in, yeah. like, billion and do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. So, like, I don't know where. Yeah, what 
Yeah, I think you've, you... you've kind of just hit the nail on the head. I think um, a lot of it is credibility. Mm. Um, I still do the job every day. Mm. So I still BD every day. I still I register candidates every day. I take feedback. I manage the process. So I think the fact that I still do it every day mm. means that I can relate to the people that I'm training. I, yeah. I suppose the only advantage that I have is that I've been doing a hell of a lot longer. So I hear a lot less no's than they'll hear, but yeah. I can educate around that. Um, so I think that's probably one of the reasons why. And I also I think, think, I think the modernization great, I think that, I think of it. I think that's such a great reason. If I think, I mean, I'm only six months in, but if I think the credibility that I get is I have to practice what I preach. So when I'm speak, when I'm pitching people and how we've got to that conversation is them sending me a message and then I was getting on a call. It's well, mm. the, this is what I want to help your uh, guys and girls with. Like I have to practice what I preach. So this is, yeah. this, this is how we've got to this point. So I think that is such a valid point. And yeah. I think that is why there is some of that sort of cynicalness attached to it is that well yeah. Nicole hasn't done it for five years so I think <laughs> you know it, I mean? yeah I think and I think the other reason I think a lot of people feed this back to me is where it's like they they go off they do the training and then there's no follow-up mm. um I normally set up whatsapp groups with anyone that's come in the training group so mm. they're normally from the same business and then we book in role play practice for the following few weeks so it, there's a common saying that it's 28 days to, to change a habit or create a new habit or yeah. behavior um so the implementation pieces I know how busy managers are I know how busy recruiters are so I know how hard it is you get these people back they've had the training and now we're meant to mm. manage it and implement it but it's a partnership so I work in partnership with our clients and go right this is the content we're going to be training this is how they're going to need to be managed when they come back these are the things you need to get them doing so they will have action plans and i'll then call them probably two or three times over the next few weeks and get them to role play me or i'll book in their diary that they call me and they just pitch to me like i'm a recruiter or yeah, yeah. um anyone and it's that repetition that practice that i think makes a difference because they're continuously then developing mm. um then they'll come back and maybe have refresh training as well but i do think if i'm honest and i think you probably agree it's, it's the fact that you still Still do the job yeah, um, that you get a lot more engagement and buy-in and I think it's the delivery as well there's nothing worse than being on a five-day training program that's quite generic oh yeah um you you just get bored and especially people that are quite impatient if you're in recruitment you want things to happen you want to be doing things so we do our training in bite-sized chunks mm. so we do much more shortened versions let them take a bit of learning go and apply it then come back and add to it rather than just throw it all at them in one yeah. go and hope so, that it sticks so with a, with a common area where quite a lot thinking of smaller businesses that I, I'm, I'm sure i'd love to know the stat how many recruitment businesses don't have someone dedicated to training Mm. there's be a lot so I guess is it a common thing that you see that follow up as you said I know it's a common thing isn't it 28 days to form a new habit yeah. or whatever but I feel like if I think of the training that I had when I was in recruitment it would be very easy to be like oh, I've done training completed it and then you don't revisit that yeah. a month later or whatever is that a big mm. thing where probably people, a lot of people Definitely. Get, get wrong I think the biggest gap in the success part of the whole process is getting your managers or your mentors trained on how to to coach and feedback Hold them accountable and it, it's not even making account it's just there's two types of feedback there's developmental feedback and motivational feedback so when okay. soon as people start going around constructive criticism and everything else people don't want to be criticized yeah. normally in recruitment we've got egos we don't like to be criticized what yeah. we're looking for is feedback that's going to go do you know what we could have done differently there or let's look at that call so that they're constantly learning but if they did do a great call be praised for it but tell them why it was great so they reinforce the mm. same behavior it's little that's things really with feedback on the job that makes the biggest biggest difference yeah. so the implementation is far quicker 
And he's so right. Do you, if you're listening right now and you're a manager or does your manager know, know what, those two things and are mm. they doing it? Not sure. Yeah. That, that's so important, isn't it? Mm. Um, I think another thing as well that we've spoken a lot about on here is which sort of ties into that. You said about mo- motivational feedback. I think what's your sort of view on actually understand, I can imagine particularly with grads as well is like, um, do you actually know what makes that person tick and what mm. they're motivated by? As you said, a lot that's changed a lot. It's not just money. Mm. Oh, so you tell me you want to buy that house. Like, do, do you know what I mean? It's like, do you actually know what they're motivated by? Because that yeah. forms part of that feedback as well, right? Yeah, definitely. It's really interesting. Um, okay, cool. So future of Prime then. Now, now uh, um, a bit more structure and have a bit of a plan. <laughs> <laughs> New York, Dubai, <laughs> definitely Ibiza. It leads last week. So I guess, so five years running a recruitment business. What did you have? Like, what was? What do you think? We spoke a lot, quite a lot about the positives. So I guess. What have been some of the biggest challenges for you? So you've spoken about you two have always had to work on relationship. I'm sure that's an ongoing process. But any other sort of big challenges that the both of you could maybe share that you think other people could benefit from or likely go through? <laughs> go, on, go on. I've got such a long list. Go on. No, go no, on. you go. No, you start. <laughs> no, I think, I think there's so many lessons. Um, running a recruitment business, um, that we get challenged with day to day. Um, I'd say it, things that I'd say is people will try and get in your way to mm. success. Um, one of my big bits of advice is just don't, don't let it get in your way. Just keep going, do what you do. Um, don't be distracted from what you're good at. Mm. Um, and people may say that you don't do what you do, but you do do. So as long as you know you're true to yourself, keep going. Um, I think also everyone talks about the recruitment roller coaster. Mm. It is well named. Mm. <laughs> um, and it's true. But I think you have to be that person that goes, that is just recruitment. Mm. Recruitment is not plain sailing. Your product is people. So you're going to get surprises along the way. Nothing straightforward. It's having the right mentality of having a real deep root reason why you want to be successful, knowing what that is. So that when you have a bad day, the next day you get up and you crack on. Mm. Um, but you've got to know why why you want to keep going um, and I think that's it? been our biggest thing is that we have a very clear vision of what we want to achieve and it is tough at times like there's certain times you where it gets really tough there's certain challenges that come along um, that's just part and parcel of what we do it's accepting that that is recruitment and there's a reason why it's so highly rewarded if you are successful there's a reason why there's such great incentives in place mm. because it's tough and when you do well you deserve to be rewarded for it because mm. you go through all the tough stuff to get to the good stuff Mm. I think you can, um, there's so many challenges in there, but without going into the specifics, to me, the biggest challenge of all is mindset. Um, It's going to be tough. um, And when you set up a business and it's not just the two of you anymore and there's 20 people in the business that, you know, are believing in that business and believing in you, your mindset's going to be challenged every single day. Um, Mm. So the best big advice I'd give to anybody is, You've got to have a mindset that's positive um, and that's going to be really hard. It's going to be challenged, things you can do. Um, you know, I, I, I run every single morning, uh, first thing I do before I do anything. And mm. I don't do that for, for fitness. I do that purely and simply so that I'm fresh and I come into the day after a really bad day the day before, ready with the right behavior. Mm. Uh, we talk about it a lot, belief, behavior, result. Uh, what you believe affects your behavior and your behavior sure. affects a result. And, and if you've got a positive mindset, it's going to help. So I think the biggest challenge of all is keeping in a positive place. And if you mm. do that, you know, you're halfway there to being successful. And how, how have you gone about um, 
cultivating that in your people because that, that's that's so important right it's obviously it's easy for you guys you know your mission you own the business mm-hmm. like how how because there'll be a lot of people obviously the the challenge that a lot of owners have or even managers have is like having that feeling of like oh like why can't why don't they get it as much as i do or mm-hmm. why aren't they working as hard as i'm working mm-hmm. do, do you know what i mean so i guess how have you sort of cultivated that that type of mindset in in your people well firstly you got to lead by example mm-hmm. um you know i think um we, we, you know, if, if I'm completely honest, you know, and this is feedback I got from the call, actually, I became a bit complacent at one point because really? things were going so well and, and, and then, you know, deals after deals and it's great. We're smashing targets. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, you know, I could probably leave at four o'clock today or I could probably go and do this or whatever. Mm. Uh, and then quite quickly, uh, you get told uh, that, that that's not the way. Um, but I think it that. is the way if you want a lifestyle yeah, business. Absolutely. But if you don't, it's definitely not the but, way. But, you know, being really honest with it, that's something that happened to me. And, and then my team then become complacent mm. because you become complacent. So actually, the stuff that we've been across, whether you're a graduate or whether you're 20 years into your career, the work ethic thing doesn't change. Yeah. If anything, so you, that that's why a, a career in recruitment isn't about it's going to be hard for twelve months. Yeah, it's going to be the hardest. It's going to be hard for for, for your career, and you've got to be willing to throw yourself into it. Yeah. Um, so for me, you you've got to make sure uh, that you, mm. you're willing to do that. I think I always say it: success does come at a price. You do have to make sacrifices to make a successful business, and. Mm. If you if you want a real successful business, that unfortunately is going to be yeah, the case. Yeah, you, you look for the first three years of the business. Uh, Nicole's got um, a young family, mm. and she was in Manchester, you know, helping drive it, and she lives in London. Wow. So, and the, how's that? The difference is, it's challenging. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was challenging. Um, my kids were quite young then; they're a bit older now, so it was challenging. But How I think they? they're now uh, eleven and eight. But uh, my daughter, she was three when we first started wow. Prime. So yeah, it's, it's challenging, but I've got a good support network. So and now we're in London. Yeah, so now we're in that London. Was, that was and that always was always the, the plan. plan really. but, yeah. but, that, but that's the point. Um, and I think you know, again, people setting out in recruitment, setting up a business, or in the early stages now, thinking, "Why am I not growing?" Well, you've got to think. Are you giving it everything? Are you Are making you the sacrifices? Because yeah. I assure you, there's someone that is. And when mm. people look at competition, think, wow, why are they doing so well? Well, generally, it comes down to they probably sacrifice more and probably working a bit harder. Mm. And once you have that reality check, which, you know, something that I did, you get back on, get back onto the train and you get the growth again and yeah. continue to be successful. Just a quick one on that point, Nicole, mm. about um, raising a, a family. Just because actually, you may know, do you know Louise McMullen? Name. white label recruitment yeah yeah my mate at the power home yeah. so um uh, yeah so she had a podcast of her recently and yeah she spoke a lot around um she had a one in ride when she started her own recruitment business but she started her own recruitment business just because she was pitching to everyone that she could bill 150k in four days she had to work four days because she's got a young child now but not many people did that and they're like why do mm. you think you could build 150k in four days <laughs> never done that before yeah. um, and she, uh, so we basically spoke a lot about raising a family while running a recruitment business and growing a recruitment business so I guess just a quick one on that just because I've got quite a lot of messages recently from um mums who have started a recruitment business saying look Hisham if you get anyone that has done that I'd love you to to talk to them or talk a bit about it. just because I think um yeah how, again talking about sacrifice I mean Louise mm. shared her story that her plan was very much get up in the morning do the school run work come back <laughs> cook do these types of things and then she'd be doing all of her admin for the next day until 2am and that, mm. that she did that for a good couple of years right yeah don't typically hear that do you know what I mean so mm. I guess what yeah how how did you 
uh, deal with that over that particular period of raising that young family? Anything to um, share there? I think it, I think it's really challenging. Mm. It's um, especially when they're young. Mm. Um, you feel like a guilt. There's a lot of guilt, really? and then there's a lot of. I suppose, outside opinion of you're not a good mum because you mm. never see your kids and this, that and the other. And I might, like, it's okay for a dad to do it. A dad can go out to work for mm. long hours and not see the kids, but it's not okay for a mum to do it. And there's definitely mm. a perception. I'm really fortunate that I've got a really good balance in in my family. So um, I'm, I'm lucky enough that my husband can be there and do a lot of the mum stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was a decision we made when we decided that this was the path to go down. Mm. Um, and I think it is difficult, but I do think it's more challenging in the early days because you are working so hard to make a business success that you genuinely feel you've got to work longer hours to make it happen so you are literally getting home putting them to bed staying up late yeah. but it doesn't go on forever I wouldn't say I stop working when I get <laughs> home but I'm much more organized and I think the more you do it the more organized you become and then you start to get much better balance and I'd say now I definitely have a better balance I don't miss the school play I don't miss sports yeah. day I, I don't make know. sure you those still, things are really important you get, you get emails from the call at like you know 11 like p.m you know or, or, or 5 whatever or 5 a.m yeah it's like when, when, when do you sleep what, that's what, the great thing with having kids you learn about having yeah. little sleep what, what would your advice be just like i guess there is going to be like the end of the t- i don't know like what, any advice for i think remember why you're doing it yeah and they always says that to me all the time when you're having a tough time or you find it difficult or you're feeling guilty always remember why you're doing it and always try and find some time so i'll always make sure at least one of my days that we can is literally just don't pick mm. up your phone don't check your emails don't do yeah. this don't do that um because i think it is important mm. otherwise you do lose sight a little bit of why you're doing it and they're why i do it they're 100 yeah. why i do it and actually now mm. when they get the nice christmas presents and the nice treats they don't mind so much i think, I think um <laughs> I think you make a good point around the opinions piece. Obviously, like, I'm, I'm not a mum, obviously, but <laughs> I can so see that. And I think that's a really important part to point out as well, is that if you know exactly why you're doing that and you just treat yourself, then, yeah, get good at blocking out those opinions because there'll be a lot I of people quick to point the finger. I'll be honest, I hid it. I don't think I spoke about my kids probably for the first two or three years in the business. Really? Barely mentioned them. That, and I'd never bring them up. And if a client was talking about their kids, I'd never mention them because I always felt like there was a stigma attached to it. And really? all like, you've got kids, therefore you can't be like... I think that's changed. I think now, I don't know if it was more my problem. Mm. Um, and I saw it as an issue. Um, whereas now it's not an issue at all. Like they've been into the office. Like mm. I talked to my clients about theirs. So I think it it could have been my view. But yeah, 100% for the first two to three years, I'd never even mentioned them. A lot of people were surprised when they found out I did have kids. That's crazy. Mm. But I, I think just a final point on what you said as well, I think when you were saying about making sure you, you always have like a day dedicated to your kids or whatever, I think a really important point to add is like when you are with your kids like are you actually with your kids Mm. like so me and you could both be mums and you say i've saw my kids five hours this week and i say i've saw them 15 hours this week that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got you've had more time with them do you know what i mean i think that's a such a good point to make and that's just in general like not just Mm. being a parent like are you actually there with your kids and giving them your full attention seven till nine ten p.m or whatever it is yeah it may not be as long but do, do, do you know what I mean? I think that's such an important point to add as well. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And I think when you are starting a business, it's a lot harder because your time is definitely dedicated to driving that and the totally. phone rings, you've got to take the call. But I think 
you learn very quickly that you've got to get a good balance. Um, mm. And now when I get through that door, I try and get my calls done beforehand and then and anything I need to pick up, I try and get it done after they've gone to bed or at least I've had a good hour mm. of just finding out how their day's been or what they've been up to or breaking them up when they're having a fight. <laughs> so keep going, people. That's the... Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. That's amazing. Um, so... Well, just just quickly, I guess then, before we finish and stuff, I think it'd be great. Obviously, we started around, um, as you said, um, you know, you wanted to, you had big targets for the first year and stuff. Mm-hmm. How how have you done? How has the business grown in terms of revenue and stuff over the last couple of years? How has that looked? Because I think yeah, massively, it's, it's very easy for people to to say yeah, it's all going great. But yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? How how has that how has that been? Yeah, well, we we've we've grown every year uh, between fifty to sixty percent. Really? Um, you know, so and and obviously a lot of businesses talk about turnover, but you know, uh, the big learning from our non-exec was. You know, it's more. It's all about your operating profit. Yeah, the net, net fee um, income. Absolutely. Uh, we've got. Uh, we want to kind of get our operating profit. Be quite open with that. It's at 400k uh, really? operating profit at the moment. We want to get that to a million pound in the next three years. Mm. Uh, and for us, that that's what it's all about. In terms, that, of has that operating profit? I'm sure it's fluctuated, but it typically gone in the right. Yeah, direction? we we were fortunate enough to do uh, like uh, you know six figure profit in our first year. Really? Even though the turnover was low at 250k, we did 100. Uh, every year we've been able to grow that and that's pretty much uh you know what what we're trying to achieve from a financial point of view uh we want to open a third office which we'll be doing in 2020 really um, where's that in leeds, leeds. Uh, is what we're, we're looking at Why at leeds? the moment um it's it's a okay so we look at um graduates and where graduates want to stay so mm. we have to look at what universities uh, are good in terms of and what city do people stay in that's true yeah. so you know that. london obviously people yeah. come and study here they want to work in manchester second city really yeah. uh, in terms of where people want to stay leeds uh, has actually got one of the highest retention rates of people that, that actually study in leeds they say i want to work in leeds oh. so for us if people are going to stay in the area yeah, of course. um it is so we, we do the studies based on that um and Cheap also rent. Um, it's cheaper in the north, absolutely, <laughs> um, and it's um, it's a great it's a great city. It's a great place. It's vibrant. Um, so you know, I haven't actually been. I, I signed uh, my first client in Leeds actually the other week. So yeah. I'm so it's cool. There's, there's loads of recruitment businesses in Leeds. So yeah. we look at where are our clients in terms of our target base. We've also got a lot of clients we work with in Manchester and London that have client um, bases there, and we look at where a graduate's going to stay. And if those two match, then that's that gives us a good. Again, indication. it's just like I know it sounds basic and simple, but like. It's the right instead of just opening the office for the opening the office sake and a bit of an ego thing. Like that's the right answer that you should be answering around. I'm, I'm opening the office in this place because the the grads and the retention stuff like that. I don't know. I just think so so many people are prone to just opening and headcount and all that just for the headcount sake and open open the office sake. That's exciting then. Yeah, it is. Um, we, we, we have to do that because we're proud of our process of training people. Mm. So if we're going to train uh, candidates as well as place them, then they need to be in touching distance. So actually, that's why cities are a great locations for us. Um, we've also uh, took our model on the road as well. So we're doing prime pop-ups. So we're we're taking our training day model and for clients that may be in different locations that we can't service out of Manchester and London and doing pop-up training days for them, mm. resourcing for that area and doing training days on site at their company, nice. uh, which is proven really successful as well. So yeah, we want to continue to look at, you know, 50, 60% growth year on year. Um, so how how do you think obviously with what you're doing you're definitely making a dent and impact but how do you think we can um change the perception of recruitment and 
sales. Do you know what I mean? How what else can we be doing? Obviously, what you what you guys are doing is brilliant. What else do you think we can be doing? I think be um, be proud about it. Mm. You know, um, I think if you're in the states and you say you're a salesman, you know, they think you're a god. Um, <laughs> whereas in the UK, people are hiding it because the first thing you think of is PPI sales or something. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, that's a form of selling, but we all have to start somewhere. So I think firstly, being proud of of being in sales and being in recruitment. Um, also making sure it's not just about money. Mm. Uh, there's got to be really value that we had. Um, I think it's really important. Um, and most importantly, uh, investing in people through training development. Yeah, you know, totally. if you train people on it, they'll become good at it. And, and that's what we're all about. Mm, I think uh, a bit, yeah, I think if I think of the conversation I had and stuff, the amount of people that have sort of been chucked in the recruitment machine and then spat mm. back out because of mm. shit training and all that sort of stuff, those people will then end up working for your clients probably at some point or whatever. And that just, that's just grown massively, isn't it? In terms mm. of just more and more of those people going, yeah, recruitment shit is horrible and they're not nice. <laughs> it is though, isn't it? If you yeah. think how hard recruitment is, if you're not trained on how to do it yeah. well, it isn't great. Mm. You're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. Whereas if you are getting the skills, you're getting told how to do your shown how to do the job and then you give it a go and it works, then you're going to go, actually, it's a great career because the mm. rewards are un unreal. But yeah, it's not going to be perfect every day. And I think it's the reality check. We've got to be more honest with people from the outset that going, it isn't all these wonderful exactly. things. Yes, the incentives are great. Yes, the money is amazing. But you're going to have to work really bloody hard to make it happen. Mm. Um, and it's not going to happen overnight. And I think it's the transparency around it that's so important. You said yourself, a lot of people talk about the positives, mm. but don't really talk about the challenges, the challenges that come with yeah. it. If we can get the challenges across as well, definitely, definitely mm. changing the perception of the industry for sure. Just a quick one, because before we finish, and I'll ask you the uh, final question, just out of uh, curiosity, what, um, what do you think are some of the sort of best incentives that you've seen? Out there in the market at the moment, out of interest, because like some yeah, people have got question. some bad incentives. Like I spoke um, with a chap called Joe, and we were talking about how he just like despises recruitment agencies who promote working for them by uncapped commission. Because mm. it's like, when is commission ever capped? Like it's just I don't know. It's, do you know what I mean? Just stuff like that. Mm. And I guess like I think it's come up a few times around free fruit. Like why? Why is that? Why is that? Do you know what I mean? What? Obviously, you know these people, you know what sort of what they're driven by, particularly obviously young people. So what do you think are some of the sort of best incentives that you've seen so far that have caught your eye, attention? I think you definitely need a balance of two. So they mm. need their individual incentives, but collaborative team incentives mm. seem to work really, really well as yeah. well. And free breakfast seems to be very popular. Free yeah, <laughs> I think we've you've got to have your financial incentives. So yeah. we, we have them on a monthly, quarterly uh, and biannual basis. Um, mm. Millennials making it quick. Mm. Um, but also, uh, as well as that, we have team incentives. Mm. So for example, um, we have um, a lot of people do monthly target hittings which is great for individuals and so on uh, we also have like team target hittings so mm. for example if the team hits a target everybody goes out to celebrate even if maybe one person has missed mm. and that's to create the right values because we're always going to have a bad month but if your team members pull you through then it raises team ethic yeah. so I think you've got to have incentives that are team based whatever they are, whatever the rewards, as well as individual. Um, and, you know, we go away once a year and the whole business goes yeah, based nice. on it. And I think that's important rather than just individuals. It's the whole company yeah. if the company has a good year and that creates the right value. Such an important trip, those types of trips. Oh, it's great. Think, it's, yeah. it's great. But I think for us, my biggest frustration sometimes is people miss out, even though they've performed quite well. They might have had a tougher year mm. or whatever, but they've still done quite well. It's maybe still been profitable. You know, for me, you've got to give them the opportunity to attend with the team that's helped them along the way because next 
next year, they might go all over and above and, and smash mm. it. So I think you've got to have a balance between individual and team. Mm. Um, but, you know, the, the stereotypical kind of ones away, you know, nights out kind yeah. of uh, incentives obviously work really well because it's a social environment. Yeah. So I think I've seen quite a lot of things recently. Obviously, um, just the CSR of a lot of agencies. Mm. I, th- I really like some of that. Um, stuff and I think just a final point because I think obviously you guys are well positioned to talk about it commission structures what's a good commission structure in today's uh, market an honest one yeah <laughs> um, give it to definitely. me what's actually a decent um, commission structure well, explaining um how the commission structure works and and the you know for example I'd, I'd be you know really clear we we need our resources doing a minimum of two deals based mm. in the market we're in and we want them doing at least three deals a month mm. and we're really clear with the fact of that's because the two deals pays for your desk and the three deals we're starting to make money from mm. so when you explain the way commission structures work and how the business makes money then they can understand the levels of it mm. um at the same time um it's also got to be attractive you know mm. because we're not paying high basics we don't believe that people should be here for a basic salary mm. we believe they should be here to go out and earn commission obviously so mm. uh, it's got to be uh, rewarding enough um, uh, to do that um, yeah I think the best commission structures are the ones that are simple um, people can calculate what they're going to earn quite quickly. I think as mm. soon as they get complex, then people think that there's a hidden agenda behind mm. it. Um, people want to know very quickly, if I do this, this is what I'm going yeah. to earn. Because um, everyone says they've got a market-leading commission structure. Well, th- this, is my, I mean? this is my bugbear with that. Mm. Is um, I think that's why we need to be honest. Now, um, again, it's another tip, and I can only go through it because you know we've been through it for five years, yeah. but we've been quite fortunate that we're, we add things in and don't take away. So, for example, if you go out, what people do when they try and attract staff at the start, by the way, recruiting staff at the early stage, for me, is the easiest time to recruit. It's when you get to 20 heads or plus where it's harder to recruit because then your recruitment business is not offering the same dream as being one of the first candidates Mm. in. So really, when you're two or three people in, for me, that's the best time, the easiest time to recruit because graduates want that progression opportunity to become a leader in the business, share options, whatever you're going to do. But the commission schemes, if you're going to say it's the best, you know, I'm paying you 30% or whatever some of these schemes go up to, which are huge, Mm. then when you do grow and your overheads grow, you're going to have to start taking that away because a business can't make money if they're paying levels that high. Mm. And where some entrepreneurs have made that mistake is pay out too much too soon. And then all of a sudden, when someone's a year in, you say you're going to earn less less commission next yeah, year. Yeah, that's not going to go leave. that well, is it? So for me, go steady and build. Every, we add something in every year. So really? every year we add in something. So this year we've added in a biannual uh, wish list. And that's basically we'll pay up to a certain amount will buy you something that's on your wish list. Someone wants to go to New York, someone yeah. wants a Mulberry handbag. Yeah. We'll buy that for you on if hitting this objective. Yeah, uh, and that's, that's, a, that's something that's coming this year. So it's fresh, it's new, people have got something yeah. new to try. I think that's such good advice, add to it, don't take away. Absolutely, it's really important. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, cool, so last question I have for you both. Mm. Quite quick, isn't it? <laughs> It's been cool, yeah. Really, yeah, <laughs> uh, really enjoyed. Last, N- Nicole, yeah. Nicole was dreading it as well. So, uh, absolutely natural. <laughs> absolutely. Right. Uh, last question is: If you could um, communicate to every single recruiter out there, they would listen to your advice. They would take it on. They'd implement it. Could be a phrase. Could be a word. What comes to mind if everyone was listening out there? Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Can't use it to sell. To sell, unfortunately. Come on, some advice. Ooh. What would you say to these people? I'd say invest in talent, nice. um, 100%. Mm. 
to add, mate? I, I would add, uh, yeah. Uh, you can't copy. What, what, would, what would I say to them? Um, I would say to them, be proud about what you're doing. Mm. Um, I still think the, you know, there's that stigma attached to recruitment and sales. It really bugs me. Yeah. Um, I think it's an amazing career and there's some amazing recruiters out there that then go on to be successful as entrepreneurs because sales gives them the skills to do that. Yeah. So for me, be proud about what you're doing and most importantly, believe in it. Mm. Um, because if you believe in yourself, you, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, you're already halfway there. Yeah. And a lot of people fail just because they didn't believe they could in the first place. So for me, that's, that's the biggie. Love it. No, Nicole, it's been a pleasure. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you very much.